He did pretty well for a Tennessee boy. <laughs> we don't mention football. Back then, Tennessee was doing a lot better than they have been recently. Um, not so good recently. Agonizing. How can I not, when I see the scores, check football, basketball scores, go down, how can I not think of Andy Wyatt and UT, even though around here it's glory, glory to old Georgia, not Tennessee. But good to be with Andy. Good to be with Chip again. Uh, We go back, he said, until... 1987, when he became an assistant pastor here at First Presbyterian Church. You've kept him a long time, and I commend you for that. I actually go back with First Presbyterian Church to my installation at First Presbyterian Church in Augusta, December 7th. 1969. Taking part in that service that night was Dr. John E. Richards, distinguished pastor of this church. And it sort of set the sail for ministry there in Augusta. Dr. Richards was known as such a staunch Southern Presbyterian conservative. Wonderful man. And I have wonderful memories of John and Kitty Richards and all of your pastors thereafter, right up through Chip. Thank you for having an old man back after all those years there and then teaching uh, for 14 years in retirement, actually, uh, at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte. I read a portion of a long passage. It's the passage that I believe the Spirit of God put into my mind and thinking when weeks ago now, thinking ahead in schedule and ministry, there is First Presbyterian Church Macon and their missions conference, Lord, You direct. Did I not teach that, Andy, in homiletics? The first thing you do in sermon preparation is ask the Lord to direct in this passage. Whatever passage it is, sometimes the students were assigned a passage. Sometimes they could choose. Sometimes a pattern was established. Whatever, Lord, What would you have from this passage? And I was that way with this conference. You know, sometimes we've heard and heard and heard missionary texts. And I said to the Lord, I'll preach a missionary text if that's what you want. I wait for your direction. And interestingly, in my regular daily Bible reading schedule, 
We were reading in the early chapters of St. John's Gospel and this fourth chapter. A long narrative, a long account. The Lord Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Anybody who would go to a missionary meeting on Friday night at First Presbyterian Church, Macon, knows this passage. And maybe you've taught it in Sunday school. I have preached through St. John's Gospel. I have preached in this passage. But what happened? In response to my asking the Lord, was reading a portion of this again and remembering three words the Lord had given me years ago in this passage to preach. You mentioned Presbyterian Evangelistic Fellowship. There used to be very large summer conferences, first at Montreat many years ago, and then with tensions amongst us Presbyterians, the conference was moved ultimately to Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina, and a couple of thousand people on occasion registered for those conferences. And I preached one night all those years ago from this passage, and it came back to me in my daily Bible reading. Lord, is this your direction? And he seemed to confirm it as my mind was quickened and my heart warmed with the passage that follows the encounter at Jacob's well. You remember it, don't you? Jesus was weary. He was tired. They were past the trolley line and they were walking. And he stopped at Jacob's well and asked this woman, clearly, of ill repute for water. He had nothing to draw water and you remember the exchange. I can give you living water. What would you draw with? And then he moves to a command, doesn't he? Go call your husband. She'd had many husbands. The man she had was not her husband. She went to call the men of Samaria. Come, see this man who knows everything about me. Could he be the Messiah? He had said very clearly to her when she had tried to change the subject, you've been in evangelistic conversations, maybe an evangelistic home visit from visitors who have come 
to First Presbyterian Church. And sometimes people feel uncomfortable and they want to deflect. They change the subject. And so she said, now where's the proper place to go to church? You Jews say Jerusalem, we say up in our territory, Samaria. The Lord Jesus said, neither Jerusalem nor there. He is seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. And then distinctfully, distinctly, amazing, he stands there and identifies himself to this fallen woman. Now I read that portion right in the center of things where it says, and at this point, At that very moment, having identified himself to this woman as Messiah, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left, went her way to the city, called the men, said to come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city, came to him. In the meantime, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, eat. He said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know of. Therefore, the disciples said to him and to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still Four months, then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and see. Look at the fields. They're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you have not labored for. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Three words years ago came back wonderfully weeks ago. And our thoughts are clustered around them. The first one, lift. Lift up your eyes. What were they looking at? Lunch. 
they'd obviously been sent by the Lord himself to nearby village, stalls, buy something to eat, Jacob's well for water, village for lunch. It was a legitimate assignment. But when they came back, it is though at the very moment saw the woman, brought the lunch. Nobody even asked what was going on, unusual as it was. Samaritan woman, fallen woman, there at noonday because respectable women had gone early in the day, she went alone. Lift up your eyes. The Lord Jesus says that to those disciples. They weren't looking at wrong things, folks. They were looking at necessary things, legitimate things. But in this situation, they were failing to see what they needed to see. And I was reminded, I need to lift up my eyes. Why do we have missions conferences? To get eight-minute updates? A little more information? That's good. And it's right to understand and have specifics of those to whom we send money and offer our prayers for We need to be updated. I'm all for Bible and missionary conferences. But there's something more than updating information necessary in a church, in a missions conference. And that is to listen to this first word, as a checkup word. Have we as a congregation, have we as a household, individuals, become so involved and taken up, consumed with, concentrating on what's legitimate, necessary? Lunch, if you please. That we need the conference time again and to hear the word lift. To say, Lord, I've been looking way too much at what's around me and my life and those dear to me. Nothing illegitimate there, necessary, good, and right. But sometimes we need a checkup. And it's conference time to hear the Spirit of God say, Lift up your eyes. You're too consumed with yourselves again. That's the tendency. We're the center of our lives. And he who is Lord of harvest and Lord of the redeemed heart 
says, look away from lunch. Lift up your eyes and see what's happening. What was happening historically here in this gospel record account is the movement of the gospel for the first time beyond the Jews. Early in the chapter is that little expression so key to our understanding here, but almost missed. He needed to go through Samaria. It was not customary, you remember. They crossed over the Jews, going from Judah up to Galilee into the Transjordan to avoid the Samaritans. But the touch here in the fourth of St. John's Gospel is he knew the Lord Jesus. It was necessary to go through Samaria. Now think logically for a moment. Would not some of those 12, Peter at least, have said to the Lord Jesus when they were crossing into Samaria, Lord, we don't deal with the Samaritans. Why are we not crossing the Jordan to avoid the Samaritans? It's almost impossible to think. Nothing had been said among them. They're taking this purposeful Samaritan route And here is this fallen Samaritan woman, man to woman in that culture, Jew to Samaritan, highly unusual. And not one asked what was happening, not one. And he said, therefore, lift your eyes. Maybe we haven't asked. And maybe they're members of your Sunday school class and wider fellowship of this church. As good a representation as there is here in this dinner meeting who need to lift up their eyes and look Look is the second word. Lift and look. Take the initiative to see what's going on. That's the value of these reports. Slides, we used to say. The screen showing students at work on a missions trip. Take the initiative and look. I probably never will fully adjust to the digital world. I'm trying, but oh boy, I will be reading something on my Kindle and just suddenly 
whatever lives in that Kindle (laughs) takes the article away and there are occasions where the article is never to be found, not ever. (laughs) And yet, it can be wonderful for communication, answers to inquiry, keeping in touch. Different from when I was a young man and in the pastoral ministry, but now being in touch with former students who are on the field, with the digital communication and email and all of that, Inquiry. I have said to a number of my students, almost all who have gone to the mission field, will you keep me posted? I want to look at your reports on my Kindle. I took the initiative. And so I hear from a young woman by herself in northern Africa working with abused women and seeing them pass from death into life and learn a trade and respect and live for him who died for them. And it's wonderful. But I wouldn't get those if I hadn't asked. I suspect they wouldn't presume the missions professor wanted to hear from them. But I told them, send me your emails. Let me look at what's going on. And so... I take the initiative to lift up my eyes from my own concerns and look on the fields. And there are things that give me a heavy heart and things that cause me great joy. I found myself singing in my own mind and heart a gospel hymn. We don't use it much anymore. We've gotten so sophisticated, but I haven't. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. It came from one of my Bob Jones boys at seminary. For a while, there were a number of young men who finished Bob Jones University and came to us at Reformed Theological Seminary. That's an interesting situation to teach. And I related to them, and we went to lunch. They knew all the places where you could get a lot to eat for not much money, and they became my Bob Jones boys, so to speak. And one of them is in 
the northern part of China. His wife, a practicing physician, he teaching in a university. And their inroads into the culture, into the lives of students. And he had us praying for this one and that one. And an email just came that one of them had been saved. That's when I sang in my spirit, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Lifting up my eyes from myself, my own interests, what's nearby, what's comfortable. Looking. And I challenge you through the conference and following consistently, take the initiative and look and labor. The third word that came to me years ago, the Spirit of God used to refresh me weeks ago, lifting up the eyes looking on the fields, laboring. That's what you have here. You're reaping what somebody else worked at. The picture is in nature, in farming, producing. Not everybody does the same thing at the same time, but there's a wholeness to it. And one is here and another is there. And together, finally, there's a harvest. And I speak, speak of labor not so much as manual labor, but working at it, having lifted our eyes, looking on the fields intentionally with initiative, knowing what's going on specifically, personally. Then we work we labor. And it takes a little bit of endeavor and effort. It does for me at least. I remember as pastor in Augusta, if I may reminisce a moment, as the missions program grew and grew, and toward the end of our three decades there, we had reached the 50-50 mark, half of our income for benevolences and world missions. But we had 185 missionaries. Somehow or another, it didn't seem right to pastor the church and ask everybody to give and pray and be pastor of all of that and not do it also. So I thought, Lord, I'm a little sorry we got 185. I can't keep up with it. I have to make hospital calls and sermons and go to our school board meetings and all the rest. So I lifted up my eyes and I looked and I decided what would work. 
and I just devised a little rotating scheme so that Monday and praying for our church missionaries is Asia. I got onto the idea when newly saved, I transferred to Wheaton College. I went in in the middle of my junior year, incidentally, out of sort of the opposite of Wheaton College. It was all new to me. We had chapel every day. The Raymond Edmond, who had been a missionary in South America with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, was then the president of Wheaton. And I remember his opening chapel one of those mornings was this. Brave sons and daughters true, that's what he called us, students. I've just gotten to chapel, having arrived back from Asia. Asia? I'm positive I saw him on campus yesterday, and I had. Then I caught on. As he went from country and field and person and work, he'd been there in intercession all over Asia. I remembered that as a pastor and the work of intercession. It's work. All those missionaries. So Monday was Asia. Tuesday, Africa. Wednesday, North America. You see the pattern. I just took the continents, starting with the largest, on down. It takes work. You're working at it, aren't you? Not just supporting. That's wonderful. Wonderful. But the work, the labor of intercession, the discipline of that. Another student that may have overlapped with Andy Wyatt, tousle-haired, kind of crazy kid from Birmingham, (laughs) walked into my class and into my heart. I discovered at graduation time he was on his way to the mission field. And he and his wife have gone out to Kuala Lumpur in peninsular Malaysia. Had lunch with him several weeks ago. They were home for three months. It's different now. He used to go by ship there five years home Now, with jet travel, not quite two years, three years, three months home, it's all different. That's okay. I have no argument with that. But I met him for lunch, and I said, no, I really want to know. Was it tough? You took your one-year-old 
girl. And when you came home, she and your newborn baby. I want to know. Look. Ask. He says, the wildest flight home you can imagine. The other passengers asked to have us moved. Our little girl finally fell asleep on the floor in the galley. The stewardesses were so kind. But he said it was an absolute nightmare. I wish I'd prayed him home. Yesterday, last night, late, the email came. We fly out of Atlanta at noon, Friday, today. Pray for us. And at noon, I prayed for him. It'd be so easy to miss that little detail and the difficulty of two little children flying from Atlanta to Seoul and a stopover and then to Kuala Lumpur in peninsular Malaysia. It'd be easy to forget, only remember he was a fun student. He's a hard-working missionary, and it's tough. Labor, work at it. I have to. It's so easy not to. So the challenge tonight is on Friday night, hear the words, they're from the Lord Jesus. Lift up your eyes, lift and look. Go to work. Labor. And O Lord of the harvest, grant that this may be to us a checkup, a needed annual meeting where we take assessment and know whether or not we have been looking too much at lunch and not looking at the fields with lifted eyes and a heart ready to go to work and take the territory and claim lives for Jesus Christ around this world. Seal these words to our hearts and may we be a company of believers who this night with renewed commitment lift and look and labor all to thy praise 
and eternal purposes through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.